We remain standing as we read God's word. And then in bold, we like for you guys to say, um, say some things back to us. And so this is the word of the Lord. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And from, how, and from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which you're able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that is, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And we all say, for all flesh is like grass. Amen, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. We're in a series called Why We Gather. And the name on the worship guide is The Authority of Scripture. Today, we're going to be talking about why we gather. And it's because we need to all come underneath the authority of Scripture. The story goes that Billy Graham was having a bit of a crisis of faith. Uh, we know Billy Graham as the preacher who was able to fill stadiums and fill up every TV screen in America and around the world. We understand that his gospel message was able to go forth literally maybe to all corners of the world. But did you know that all of that influence and all of that preaching and all of those crowds that it almost didn't happen? You see, it hinged on a moment at a retreat center in California Early in Billy Graham's career, Billy was influenced by a man named Charles Templeton. And as Charles continued to influence Billy, he started to say some things that Billy didn't quite understand. He said things like, the Bible is flawed. And he would challenge this small town boy and telling him that the Bible that he was holding and the Bible that he was teaching from was outdated and could no longer be trusted. So Billy found himself in his 30s beginning to preach and was in a crisis of his faith. Could the Bible be trusted? He continued to ask himself. And so he took to the mountains to pray. As he hiked and as he prayed and he wrestled with the Lord, he began to hear this phrase over and over and over. It's often said that it's, it's one of the most repeated phrases in all of the Old Testament. It's this little phrase, thus says the Lord. And with that refrain, thus says the Lord, his heart began to grow in confidence that he could trust in the scriptures. And so he left that day and he left the, those woods with a firm foundation that he may not have all of the answers to all of the hard questions. But if this word was truly the word, he's going to preach it with an authority as uh, that it is the words of God. And so there's some people who have gone and done a lot of, uh, a lot of study in the sermons of Billy Graham. And he would say that one of his famous phrases was this idea that he simply said, and the Bible says... Because with that tiny little phrase, the Bible says he wanted his crowds to know he's not talking. It truly is the Lord who is saying that. He's not resting on his own authority, but he's resting on what the Bible says truly. 
there was a similar crisis of faith in the early church. That crisis of faith was with young Timothy. We read in our scriptures this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he's coming from his mentor, his father of the faith, his discipler, the apostle Paul himself was writing to young Timothy. And he was telling Timothy to be reassured in God's faithfulness. And throughout this book, this 2 Timothy book, that Paul letter that Paul is reading, you hear this, this hint that Timothy's faith was waning or there was some type of question in his heart. Even in the first chapter, Paul is begging Timothy to fan the flame that was once there. And so here we have in chapter four, you see Paul saying again, Timothy, I want you to stay. Look back at verse 14 for me. But as for you, young Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned. I want you to remain here, Timothy. I don't want you to go anywhere else from where you are currently. I don't want you to just to, to, to move any farther forward. In contrast, the, look at the, how uh, chapter 3 starts. It says, but I want you to understand that in the last days there will be people who will be lovers of self and lovers of more money. And then going on, for there will be those who will creep into households and capture people. So in contrast, there are some that are walking away from faith. There are some who are tempting you to do the same. You see, Charles Templeton was a voice in Billy Graham's life. We don't know these people by name, but we know that they were there and that we, were, they, they, we know that they were present. You were one breath away, one day away, one hard season away to walking away from your faith. What will ground you back? What Peter, or what Paul is telling to young Timothy is I want you to continue in what you know is true. There are e there's evil out there. There are imposters out there. And they want to move forward. They want to go on. They want to move on from the old sacred writings and move on to something new and different. But Timothy, I want you to do something differently. I want you to stay right here. And so that's why we want us as a people to come underneath the authority of scripture. That's why in your worship, guys, it says the authority of scripture, this is the word of God. And then we say it, right? And then we read back to, the, back to ourselves that all flesh is like grass. Why do we do that? Because we want God's word to be preeminent in all things, way before the preacher comes in with, with, with half-minded words. These are the full-minded words of God fully for us, fully and completely. And so like Billy Graham and Timothy, there are questions that will arise in your life. And the question this morning is, where will you turn? Because it's not if questions come, it's when they come. Where will you turn? And this morning we want you to see that the scriptures have the full authority in your life. Isaiah 40 verses 6 through 10, 1 Peter 1.20 says, For all flesh is like grass, and all of its, uh, and all of its glory, all right, and all the glory of the flowers of the field. It then says that the grass will wither and the flowers will do what? It will fall, but then what happens? But the word of God will stand how long? Forever. 
That's why we want to submit to God's word. Because it will stand forever. It will be strong. It will tower over us. It will cast a large and long shadow over God's people if we trust it fully and completely. That's where we want to be this morning. And so here in this text, we see a couple of things that I want to teach us from. And the first thing is, um, those who taught you from the Bible. So point number one, what do we see? How do we sit underneath the cast of the shadow of the authority is those who taught you the Bible. So let's look here in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, dear Timothy, continue on or continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, right? And then the highlighted part is knowing from whom you learned it, right? And so those who taught you the Bible, all right? So what's going on here? You see, young Timothy knows where he got, you know, his, his upbringing. He knows that there are people back there that have influenced him fully and completely. When Paul is saying this and he's reading it for the first time, he understands that back in his lineage, there were people back there with their Bibles open to help him understand it. You see, when he was young, he was influenced by his mother and his grandmother. The paternal side of his family tree had a huge influence over him. Chapters one, chapter one tells us that this grandmother and his mother came to him and established the faith that he was able to have. And so what Paul is doing is forcing Timothy to go back to middle school, to go back to high school, find a, a moment in your life where the Bible was open and your eyes were opened for the very first time. Go back to that childhood moment where you understood that God was doing something more than was even be able to feel or touch or smell. What Paul was telling, is, telling us this morning is that we need to take our first teachers very seriously. You see, like Timothy, there are some teachers in our life. There are some people who have influenced your life greatly. There are people in your faith journey that have opened their Bibles in front of you and shown you the way. We dropped Kennedy off to Sanford this week. And so we're thinking about this passage and just asking, is she ready? We thought about how we had opened up the Bibles from the very beginning. But as she grew up, there was a third voice, more than her mom and, and her dad. There was a third voice in her life. And it was her, her name is Karen Trigg. And over the course of six years, Karen Trigg would continue to meet with my little girl, open up her Bible and just continue to point just continue to point. If we are so very blessed of a church being disciples who make disciples, there will be these moments in all of our lives where we'll be able to go back to a moment when there's someone, a mom, a dad, a grandmother, a disciple, or a youth pastor, someone who will open up their Bibles and show you the way. I want you to think about who that was or who that is in your life. Who, who opened up the Bible and just kind of pointed to you? You should probably make a phone call this afternoon and just a text message or a phone call and just say thanks. Thank you to a parent or a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, somebody to say, you showed me the way. 
We need to keep going because then the book we see that we hold is this idea that it is a holy book or it's a sacred book. Look here in the same passage, but it's for you. Continue in what you've learned, right? And firmly believe knowing from whom you learned it, right? And how from childhood, what? You have been acquainted with the sacred or another word is the holy writings. And so this idea that the book that you have at your disposal right here is a holy book. It is full of of holy writings. So look at right now, if you've got a physical Bible, I know a lot of you are, you've moved to the, the mobile app, right? And you will not be able to get this application if so. But if you've got your Bibles and you just look at the spine, you see the title, ooh, you see the title of this book is what? The Holy Bible. Right? That is what is said on your spine. That is the title of the things that we hold is the Holy Bible. That's what we have because 2 Timothy 3.15 says that what we hold are sacred or holy writings. We get the title of the entire Bible from this one verse. The word holy or the word sacred signifies this idea that it's set apart, that it's different. Timothy Paul is saying, I don't want you to leave from here because these are God's words. They're sacred. They're set apart. They're different. They're different from all the other manuscripts that you're reading. You need to go back to the original. They're sacred. They're holy. This holiness of this book is synonymous with the holiness of the creator of the book. This is God's word. These are God's very words to us, his people. He is holy. He is set apart. So why would he create a common book? Of course, the book that he breathes out has to be different. These are God's writings to us because this is a book from God himself. Satan wants you to doubt this book. He wants to turn your eyes away from this book. Here Timothy, is, or Paul is pleading to Timothy. And here I am pleading with you this morning. Don't walk away from the book. These are God's words to his people. It's unique in even its composition. Think for a minute, a minute, it was written over a span of about 1,500 years. There's over 40 authors that compile this thing. It was written on three different continents. There were uh, primarily in Asia, but then there are excerpts of uh, Jeremiah that was written in Africa and then also in Europe. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine Greek. There are 66 books of the Bible, that makes it more of a library than just a book because it's supernatural in its composition. Yet in your heart, has it risen to a level of not just significance, right, but more authority in your life? You see, this is a sacred or a holy book. And you have three choices this morning. Either you can stand on the Bible, And you can look down on it and judge it yourself. And you render the verdict whether it's true or not. You could then stand beside the book as if it's a companion to you, a buddy that is going to help you along your way. Or the other choice is for you to come underneath the scriptures as if it has an authority over you. Those are three different choices, but three very different impacts of your life. 
this morning we would want you to see it as a holy or a sacred book in which we come underneath. Because there's spiritual ramifications to this book. It's more than just ink on pages that's bound by leather. It's more than that. These are, these are spiritual words from God himself. We know that because in lots of seminaries all over the world, it's filled with some of the best and the brightest people on the planet who have reduced this simply to a book that needs to be studied. Insert, a, a, you know, um, argument or example A, Charles Templeton He was as smart as anyone else. He studied at Princeton. He knew more about the Bible than all of us in this room combined. And yet, the Bible wasn't true. The Bible was flawed. And therefore, he studied it in the same genre as he would study Plato or Socrates. This is more than that. The original is that it is God's word and God's alone. This is more than a magnum opus. It's the very breath of God. And so when we approach it, we need to approach it with a humility about us. There's a great story in our church that Jeremiah Foster has been meeting with all of our community, uh, community group leaders. And he comes back to the office and he's always, you know, Jeremiah, he has a smile on his face. And he's just, you know, he's like, oh, I had the best meeting, right? And so this, you know, so he's always the best meeting, right? And so he had a meeting with the community group leader this uh, past week. And he said, um, and this was a summary statement, they love the Bible. And so after spending it, it was convicting to me. Because that was the summary statement. Best meeting. Why? Why was it the best meeting? They love the Bible. I wondered if after spending an hour with me, what you would say by getting to know me for the first time. And would that, the, 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 the descriptive, the adjective be, man, he loves the Bible. The Bible just, just brims over in his life. And so the book is holy. All right, number three. We see in the scriptures that it will also make us wise. Look at this. And then from childhood, you've been acquainted with these sacred or these holy writings, which will make you wise for salvation. There is an impact to these words. There is a result to these things. And the result is that there is wisdom there. Because again, if this book is holy because its source is a holy God, we need to understand that he understands humanity in a way that we do not understand ourselves. And so we need wisdom, right? Because we are foolish, right? And so the wisdom isn't just man's wisdom. It's God's wisdom who comes alongside foolish humanity. like, come on, come on, come on. This is how we go. All throughout the scriptures, we are likened to sheep, sheep who go astray. And so there needs to be a little pat, 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 little pat, 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 little hurting here, a little hurting there, in which we are to direct us in a way. And that direction, if we submit to it, is called wisdom. And so this scripture, these holy scriptures are able to make you and me wise. When left to ourselves or the ways of the world, we will be foolish every single time. And yet here we have over 1,500 years worth of compilation, over 2,000 years after it has been completed and we're still going back to it because the very breath of God tells you and I in the 21st century, in the same way of the century and 600 years before Christ and all of that, that this is the way unto salvation and it will make you 
wise. This book changed my life. I still remember I was sitting in a classroom atop a mountain in Estes Park, Colorado with my Bible open and my eyes as wide as as saucers and as wide as Carly's shirt, like just blown away at what I was learning. You see, there was the founders of the school that I went to. His name was Chris Thomas, and Chris Thomas loved the Bible. He was British, right? And so the accent was kind of intriguing, you know, so that's fun too. But what he said about the Bible and the little Old Testament survey workbook that he handed all the students for all of us to kind of do the fill in the blank, I just could not wait to get to class to learn more about this book. And it was from that the trajectory of my life was to continue to study it and I continue to love it fully and completely. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, I just get bored or I'm overwhelmed. I read it for maybe four days straight and I put it up on a shelf. My encouragement to you is the way of the wise, especially this wisdom for salvation is found here in the sacred writings to continue to press on. Don't move on to the podcast. Do not move on to other writings. Find yourself grounded, rooted in God's word first and foremost. There is a result that is going to be in immersing your life for decades after decades after decades in this word. And what Paul is telling Timothy is don't move from there. You've quickly sidestepped or you continue to maybe even turn your back on something. Don't redirect your life and go back to the word fully and completely. This book is full of the wisdom of God himself. Psalm 1 tells us that if we want to be wise, if we do not want to wither, that we need to go to the streams of water. We need to find ourselves in meditating on the very words of God so that our roots will grow deep and our leaves will just be bustling and verdant green. I know that you and I want a life like that, yet we find it from other sources. The begging this morning is to reconsider, reconsider the scriptures. And so to consider them, you have to read them, right? To have an authority over them, you just, you have to read it. And so maybe, just maybe on your prayer card this morning, maybe it just needs to be a breath of confession that maybe you have moved on from the Bible or maybe you haven't submitted the the time or the energy that you need to give to the Bible. In Estes Park, Colorado, it was the year 1999, I think. And Nicole and I, we were dating, and it was a long-distance relationship. She was in Mississippi. I was in Estes Park. And uh, way back in the Dark Ages, also called the 90s, right, there, were, there weren't things called cell phones. Uh, there were these things that were on walls, right, that you had to, like, do this thing with your finger, right? So you either kind of, you kind of had to spin it, right, and then you had to wait for it to unspin, and then you had to spin it again, and you had to do that 10 times in order, anybody? No, nope, nobody? All right, 
Am I the only one that's ever done this? Right? You dumb millennials. I can't unbelievable. I'm kidding. All right. So anyway, so you just, so we had the little calling cards and we would like call once, whatever. But our main for, form of communication was letters. Right? And so I had a little P.O. box and I would go every day or week or whatever. And every once in a while there would be a letter from the Nicole Crumb. The Nicole Crumb. The blonde beauty from Mississippi, right? The Southern Belle herself. And in those letters, and, I've, and I still have kept them all. They're amazing, right? There are these, these wonderful little reminders of God's grace. There are some affections of how like wonderful I was and handsome and charming and all of the things, you know, all of the whatever. So these, these letters. And so the question for us this morning is, I'm in Estes Park. I'm, I'm like 3,000 miles from the girl that I just, who has enraptured my heart. And so when I get a letter, what do I do with the letter? Do I just toss it aside, right? I'm like, I'll, I'll get to you later put it in my back pocket and like wash it in my jeans because I've forgotten it? Or is it the first thing that I do? I tear that letter open because these are the words from the girl that I love. And so I think that this illustration may can be pressed too hard, right? Because there may be shame on the other side of the illustration. I don't want you to sense it in shame. But this is a letter from God himself in order to make us wise unto salvation, to understand that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only has come to redeem all of the bad stuff that you've ever done and will ever do. And he separated your sin from his presence as far as the east is from the west. And that he has come with the purity as, as fresh driven snow. That he has allowed you to have access to the Father alone. So how do you know that Jesus is the Son of God? How do you know that the only way unto salvation comes from Jesus? How do you know that his, your sins have been forgiven? How do you know that those sins have been separated as far as from the east and from the west? How do you know that those sins are now not dark and stained, but washed as white as snow? How do you know that you have been welcomed into the very presence of God? Your own intellect are the words that are found in these scriptures. All of the truths, especially the truths of salvation, as, uh, coming to salvation comes, find, uh, comes from this book and book alone. This book takes us to Jesus. Makes you wise, but for what? For salvation through whom? Through Jesus Christ. How? By faith. This is one of the most important passages in all the scriptures, knowing that how do we get to the end point? The only way we can get to the end point is to understand that it has started here. We see Jesus in the scriptures fully and completely. It is through faith in Jesus. The scriptures tell us that. How do we make us wise? We see Jesus in the scriptures. How do we know that the only way to truth and life is through the scriptures? The scriptures need to inform our minds and help us to see Jesus and Jesus alone as the son of God. The day of salvation was an important moment in your day. 
but the truth about salvation that drove you to salvation that was just as important. Paul is reminding Timothy, I want you to go back there and remember that it was the scriptures who shed light on your heart that turned your cold, dark heart and turned it back toward me. This is what he was able to do. That Jesus is found from cover to cover. Old Testament and New Testament. Gospels, New Testament church, Old Testament prophets, Old Testament Pentateuch. Jesus is there from cover to cover. This is how we see Jesus fully and completely. You and I have, may have gone to Sunday school. And maybe we'll sing it at the end of service. I don't know. But you hear these little verse, uh, hear this little song in your heart that Jesus loves me. This I know. If you stopped the little lyric right there, you would then like lean in and go, who's Jesus? What is love anyway? But Jesus loves me. This I know. What? For the Bible tells me so. Maybe the old school uh, Sunday school hymns are not antiquated at all. But actually what you and I need right now to understand the only way that I know who Jesus is actually came from the scriptures. And someone opening up the scriptures and pointing us to Jesus and pointing us to the scriptures. And what Paul is telling us is that we need Jesus. We need faith. We need salvation in Jesus. And that is all possible because he breathed wisdom onto pages that we could read ourselves. And then lastly, because it is God-breathed. Verse 16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. We can go on to the profitable piece and the teaching piece and the reproof and the correction piece and the training in righteousness that you can be complete and equipped. But let's just stop right there. For all scripture is breathed out by God. We just spent an entire summer thinking about creation. Creation as coming from the speech of God himself. And in the same way that God breathed out creation, it is the same way that he breathed out these scriptures so that when we see birds and animals and we understand gravity and the oceans, God gets the credit to that. But now when we understand humanity, both the fallen nature of it and then also the glorious rescue of God, he still wants you to know the only way you got to those conclusions is through the scriptures himself. This is one of the most important statements in all of the Bible. That what we hold is of divine influence over us. Old Testament and New Testament is not just written and bound, but breathed by God himself, breathed out by God. It is a miracle upon all of miracles that what we have has lasted over the course of history. It has tried to be refuted over and over, and yet it still stands the test of time. Where do I go for help? My heart longs, hopefully, for the scriptures. This is the word, this idea of breathed out is this idea of inspiration that is fully inspired by God. We have the very words of God in our disposal. And so the implication is that that should change everything. It should redirect everything. If it's true that God's words are right here, 
and it is breathed out by God himself, it should change everything. That the God of heaven is speaking to you this morning. The fact that God is saying that there is something more important than yourselves and you need to know it. The fact that he is the light to bring, uh, bring light to our hearts and souls. Because the fact is, you may be wrong. In fact, you often are. And so in this correction and in this rebuke, you need to sign and find yourself aligned with Scripture. And so each and every morning, why do we gather? We come to get underneath God's God's authority, but we also come to be aligned with what he says. Over the course of six days, I know that our old old stale hearts will find a way to, to, to veer off. And so every Sunday we find ourselves here in this moment to hopefully steer our hearts back to him and him alone. That's why we gather. It's not that my words are that important or good or palatable. It's the fact that your heart needs redirecting back to sense the very presence of God and understand that he is doing something in your life. He is breathing out these words into our lives. It should change everything and it should correct us and rebuke us and discipline us in a drastic way. It doesn't matter my inclinations. What matters is what God has done for us. And so what is our stance on marriage? What is our stance on creation? What is our stance on sin? What is our stance on truth-telling? What is our stance on murder? What's our stance on pride? What's our stance on greed? What's our stance on giving? What's our stance on church attendance? What's our stance on being a faithful spouse? What's our stance? You just fill in the blank. It's either your own inclinations or it's the authority of God's word. In order to make you wise, to make you a Christ follower, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm breathing the very commands that you need for us. And so from beginning to end, this is God's love letter, actually rescue letter for our hearts and our souls. Do you feel rescued this morning? Do you feel pursued this morning? Do you feel in awe this morning that God would go to this much effort, right? To get your attention for 2,000 some odd pages, right? And just to continue to say over and over and over, I love you and I've come for you. And so your prayer cards this morning is very applicable. Like if you're young Timothy and you've had a crisis of faith, if you're young Billy Graham and you have a crisis of faith, where do you turn? The question is if you haven't turned to the Lord, the question is why? Sometimes your faith will wane. And so that's why we gather each and every Sunday to say with these tiny words on a white piece of paper that your words truly will stand forever. The flesh, all flesh is like grass and it's glory like the flowers of the field. The grass will wither and the flowers will fall, but the word of God will stand forever. We must be reminded week in and week out the the place of the Bible in our life. Again, it doesn't belong below us or beside us. It belongs 
on top as an authority over us. Will you pray this morning that God would have an authority over your life and that as Jesus left, ascended into heaven, that we would obey the commands that Jesus has given to us. Let's pray. King Jesus, we pray for your commands. And we pray, more importantly, for our obedience. God, I I don't know why we all showed up this morning, but it's my firm belief that there's somebody in here that needed to hear a word from you, to gain confidence that King Jesus, that you cared for us so much, that you set apart your plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and you let it be understood by words on a page. I pray for those in here that have maybe grown a little, their, their life, their, their time with, with you and their, their humility and their understanding of your word has, has potentially grown stale in this last season. That you would reinvigorate them this morning. That you would shine a light on their heart that something that was in this passage, their actual heart has been warmed with the fact that God's pursuit has come through words and truth. Help us, Lord, to find ourselves underneath that this morning. And we ask this in your name, amen. So I'm gonna actually give you a couple of minutes to potentially fill out that card in reflection to this service and this passage and this sermon and just um, just spend some time reflecting. You can ask if there's something personally going on, make sure you put that on. However, if you specifically want to engage with this topic, just know that your prayer team, your community prayer team will come alongside you this entire month and pray for you by name. So go ahead and take a few minutes uh, to, to fill out that prayer card this morning. At the conclusion of sermons, we love for the people of God to respond in faith. And the response of faith that we've kind of etched into our order of service is the response to walk toward the table of the Lord's table, walking toward communion. And so where do we find those truths? Of course, we go back to the scriptures. We go back to the authority of scripture and we find out that this is good for our hearts. It is good to go to the Lord's table And so what Paul is saying is, in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For it is often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as we rise from our seats and we go to the Lord's table, we do this in remembrance of him. However, there's another practical piece, a more convicting piece, A warning to not advance toward the table without having your heart right toward him. 
He says, then whoever, the gathering, the people, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy matter, matter will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of Christ. And so why do we gather? To find ourselves always under the discipline of the Lord, like are we taking in an unworthy manner? And if so, let us confess with a full heart. So then let that person examine himself. Then he goes and he eats the bread and he drinks the cup. Why we gather is to come underneath the authority of our scriptures and to re-examine ourselves. And so this is a table of remembrance. This is a table also for a chance for us to take a step of faith. So go ahead and stand to your feet. And after examining yourself, just know that there's two stations in the back and one station up front. And we are here to serve you these elements.